Hi, listeners. A quick update about the show. Starting in April, Unexplained Mysteries will be airing new episodes once a week, every Tuesday. We're kicking off this new schedule with a month-long special for Earth Day that you do not want to miss. Stay tuned for this and all new episodes every Tuesday, right here on Unexplained Mysteries. Hello, listeners. This week on March 20th, the world is celebrating International Astrology Day. But whether you're a believer or a skeptic, you can't deny there's something mysterious about the stars. So much so, you might wonder, do they hold sway over us? According to her essay in the New York Times, when Amisha K. Patel was born, her parents hired an astrologer to predict what sort of life she'd lead. This was, and still is, a common practice among Indian Hindus. Unfortunately, the stargazer had bad news. Two planets in inauspicious positions would create a huge obstacle in Amisha's love life. She wouldn't find marital bliss until she or her family performed a ritual to change her fate. As Amisha grew up, she harbored doubts about the powers of astrology. But those attitudes changed when she became engaged to a man, and the wedding never happened. Instead, everything that could go wrong did. The challenges Amisha and her fiancé faced were severe, so much so their families suspected black magic was involved. For two years, the betrothed couple tried to salvage their relationship. Finally, when Amisha was 27, they broke up. It seemed the planets were working against her. But then Amisha's parents helped her perform a ritual. She had to wear a particular necklace for 90 days, wash its moonstone pendant in milk and water from the Ganges River, and meditate and chant while burning incense. This was supposed to remove planetary bad energies. And sure enough, after Amisha and her family completed the rite, she met a new love. Just as the astrologer had foreseen, she could live a happy life, once she overcame her astrological challenges. Amisha's conclusion? Well, after all she'd been through, perhaps the stars did control her fate. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. In honor of International Astrology Day, we're airing two special episodes where we try to answer the question, do planets and stars have power over us? Today, we'll look at the origins of the zodiac in ancient Babylon. Then, we'll trace how it evolved as it spread through Europe and Eastern Asia. We'll also examine and interpret Richard's and my natal star charts. 
Next time, we'll follow astrologers, researchers, and statisticians as they try to figure out why horoscopes often feel so accurate. We'll also analyze which zodiac signs are more likely to account for sports stars or serial killers. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Many ancient traditions teach that the skies are God's home, or the realm of the dead, or a great river. Then and now, people believe powerful forces dwelt above us and that those beings could use the stars to communicate. Comets, eclipses, and other phenomena have often been interpreted as divine messages. These beliefs can be traced as far back as the 700s BCE to Babylonia, or present-day Iraq. Around this time, ancient astronomers started tracking the movement of the stars, they found most stellar bodies traveled in cyclical patterns and at predictable rates, always returning to their original positions within a year. But there were exceptions. Some stars completed their cosmic cycle once every couple of months, while others were sluggish, dragging themselves across the sky over several years. Some even took decades. Occasionally, a star seemed to turn around and go backward. Based on these observations, the Babylonians thought there were two kinds of stellar objects. The first were fixed stars, which always stayed in the same position relative to the stars around them. These form what we know as constellations. The second type of celestial objects were referred to as wild sheep, perhaps because they seemed to roam about at their own unique pace. Later astronomers would call them wandering stars, but today we know they aren't stars at all. They're planets. Babylonians likely didn't realize the cosmos contained giant celestial bodies trillions of miles away. But they did know the fixed stars or constellations moved at a steady rate, and it took about a year for them to complete one cycle. Meaning, if you went out into your backyard and looked up, 
the night sky would appear very different in the fall, winter, spring, and summer. But say you photographed it on January 1st and returned the next New Year to take another picture, it would look pretty similar. We're not sure what inspired the Babylonians, but they eventually concluded that perhaps the wild sheep moved through the sky intentionally to share warnings or advice. And if astrologers could track their movement, that of the Moon, Mars, Jupiter, and so on, they might decipher important information about their fate. So, the great philosophers of ancient Babylon got to work. Now, they weren't just tracking stellar configurations, they were trying to discern what they meant. They looked at the position of the wandering stars, analyzed their relationships to the fixed stars, and tried to give it all some sort of meaning. This was the birth of astrology. At the time, it was believed the cosmos only had messages about events of global importance. That meant only kings or military generals might see some value in studying the stars. As for the broader public, the constellations didn't seem to have much to say. In fact, Babylonian astrologists didn't think the stars had any sway over ordinary people's daily lives. Sometime before 800 BCE, the Babylonians recorded the first known zodiac, which refers to a row of constellations that align with the sun as the Earth rotates. If it's Capricorn season, that means you could theoretically draw a straight line from the Earth, through the Sun, and to the Capricorn constellation. As our planet orbits, the line shifts with it. The Sun aligns with a new constellation about once each month, beginning the next zodiac season. So in this episode, we may use the words sign, zodiac, or constellation interchangeably because they all refer to the collection of stars that lined up with the sun when you were born. At least, that's how we understand those terms now. But the ancient Babylonian zodiac differed from the modern one. It featured 17 signs rather than our 12. However, a few of their constellations might sound familiar. There are the Great Twins, the Crab, the Lion, the Goatfish, the Scales, and the Scorpion. Other signs never quite made it to today's Western Zodiac. You've probably never met someone born under the sign of the True Shepherd of Anu, or the Tales of the Swallow. That's because, over a few centuries, Babylonian star watchers eliminated some constellations, but we're not sure why. The Babylonian Empire was conquered in 539 BCE. While their political system was destroyed, their beliefs survived, including their zodiac. It lived on through nomadic Bedouin communities and eventually became a major part of Arab life. Horoscopes, or the practice of interpreting the stars, then traveled to Asia by way of India. Later on in this episode, we'll get into how the ancient zodiac evolved as new cultures adopted it. Astrology was also influential in early Christian thought. The Bible even talks about how a new star in the sky signified Jesus' birth. 
By the Middle Ages, it barely mattered where in the world you went or what religion you practiced. Astrology was everywhere. And now, people weren't just using it to track the passage of time or discern messages for their kings. They were making predictions about their day-to-day -day lives. They followed cosmic advice about when to plant or harvest, make business deals, or even get married. Anyone who received a proper education in medieval Europe learned the principles of astrology, right along with their math, literature, and music lessons. It even affected medicine. Physicians were legally required to consult the phase and position of the moon. Apparently, certain medical procedures could be influenced by lunar cycles. Everything was thought to have its proper time, and that time was typically dictated by the stars. You can still see evidence of this in the way our week is structured today. Monday is dedicated to the moon. The word comes from moon day. Likewise, Saturday is Saturn's day, and Sunday is, well, the sun's day. But eventually, the Zodiac lost widespread credibility, all thanks to Isaac Newton. We've talked a lot about him in this show. Newton studied the relationship between light and color, wrote several laws of motion, and most importantly, he supposedly invented the cat door. He also studied how gravity works, in part by examining the planet's movements. That's how, in the late 17th century, he realized celestial bodies followed a predictable mathematical trajectory. Before that point, nobody could explain why planets moved the way they did or predict how they'd align on any given night. Remember, planets were known as the so-called wandering stars, the ones whose movements astrologers tracked to interpret messages from the heavens. But Newton was able to give a grounded, scientific explanation for what had once been considered an unsolvable mystical mystery. And he was one of the first to differentiate astrology from astronomy. And as the scientific community embraced the latter, they began treating the former as a frivolous game. After all, why rely on messages from unknown celestial forces when everything could be explained away with gravity? As intellectual leaders turned away from astrology, it became in danger of disappearing from mainstream Western belief. But more than a century later, that would all change. One stargazer would make a series of predictions that would shift our perception of astrology forever. Coming up, the planets foresee a shakeup in the British line of succession. 60 years after the release of their first studio album, the Beatles fan base has never been greater or more curious. Hi, it's Carter. Right now on Conspiracy Theories, dive into the magical mystery surrounding the Fab Four in a three-part special called Beatlemania. Sex, drugs, death, and more death. The history of the Beatles and their fab fandom is rife with conjecture, and we're taking on the hits. Was Paul replaced by a lookalike? Did Yoko incite the band's demise? And are there really any hidden messages in their lyrics? So many conspiracies, so little time. Before Swifties, before the Beehive, 
There was Beatlemania. Catch this three-part special now by following the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. For over a thousand years, astrologers looked to the skies for important information about the state of the world. But by the 1900s, many viewed horoscopes as silly and trivial. Some newspapers buried them deep within their pages, if they were published at all. Sounds a lot like the average horoscope column today. There were some major differences, though. In the early 20th century, stargazers mostly printed celebrities' natal star charts. You might know them as birth charts. It's an analysis that examines the location of all celestial bodies at the moment of your birth. It's also where your zodiac sign comes from. For example, if you're a Sagittarius like me, it's because you were born with the sun in Sagittarius. In 1930, a British paper called the Sunday Express approached a semi-famous occultist with a request. On August 21st, Princess Margaret Windsor was born. That's Queen Elizabeth's younger sister. The paper wanted to publish her horoscope with interpretations of her natal star chart. In other words, the writer would look up the planet's positions on Margaret's birthday and make predictions about her life. The mystic wasn't interested in the gig, so he referred his colleague, an astrologer named R.H. Naylor, who'd been making ends meet, working odd jobs. Naylor accepted the offer. He published his predictions, which included promises of a momentous life. He added, quote, Events of tremendous importance to the royal family and the nation will come about near her seventh year. The reading was an instant success. Papers leaped off the stands and Naylor became an overnight celebrity. The Sunday Express hired him to write more astrological predictions. And this was before his prophecies started coming true. He famously predicted there'd be danger for a British aircraft between October 8th and 15th, 1930, only three days off from an actual fatal blimp crash on October 5th. But years later, perhaps his biggest prophecy was fulfilled. On December 10th, 1936, Roughly nine months before Margaret's seventh birthday, her uncle, King Edward VIII, abdicated the throne. Suddenly, Margaret's father was the king, and her older sister, Elizabeth, was next in line to inherit the crown. The abdication rocked the royal family and the country alike, and Naylor had predicted it all six years before. Thanks to Naylor's uncanny accuracy, soon many readers became fascinated with astrology. They wondered if the stars could really tell the future, and if there was a way to change your fate once you knew what the cosmos had in store. They clamored for more horoscopes and astral predictions. By 1937, the year after Edward's abdication, Naylor was writing a weekly column. He didn't have the time or page space to give personal readings to every subscriber. Instead, he simplified his readings, focusing just on the star signs. Those are the signs that correspond to your birth month. For example, if you were born any time between, say, August 23rd and September 22nd, you'd find your predictions under the Virgo heading. 
But unlike his celebrity horoscopes, for these, Naylor didn't look at the placement of the moon, the planets, or any of the other details that make up a thorough birth chart. He went a more general route. Naylor's column was a hit with the public. Horoscopes based on sun signs have become a newspaper staple. And since then, countless magazines, websites, and podcasts have capitalized on the trend. But naturally, this explosion of interest in horoscopes inspired some skepticism. Especially because, for a lot of people, your daily reading won't always align with what you actually experience. And the traits that fit your sign won't always be reflected in your personality. Here's an example. I'm a Scorpio. Generally, Scorpios have a reputation for being jerks, but I don't think that's me at all. I'm not mean or rude or blunt. In reality, I feel more like a Pisces. They're emotional and empathetic and fairly prone to daydreaming. But I'd need my birthday to be about four months later for that to be my sign. Oh, I get it. I'm a Sagittarius, which means in theory, I'm supposed to be very flexible and adventurous and down to try new things. I'd say I'm pretty open-minded and idealistic, but I don't like taking risks. On top of that, I think travel is a hassle and, well, I like my routine. So you're a Sagittarius who doesn't have some of the key Sagittarius traits, and I'm a Scorpio who doesn't feel like a Scorpio. In light of examples like this, many conclude astrology must not be real. Well, the truth is, your sign isn't the only factor that influences your personality. Even that sentence is kind of weird in astrological terms, because you don't have a sign. You have about a dozen. When someone says, I'm a Gemini, or I'm an Aquarius, what they really mean is that when they were born, the sun was in that particular sign. Now, obviously, the constellations can't be literally in the sun. But imagine if you could see the stars during the day. Then you might notice that during different months, certain constellations are positioned behind the sun, almost framing it. Hence the expression, the sun was in, say, Cancer or Taurus. That's basically how zodiac sun signs work. As we said before, astrologers draw an imaginary line from the Earth through the sun and out to whichever constellation is behind it. So if you were to look at the sun's position on my birthday, you'd theoretically see it in the Scorpio constellation. And when I was born in Sagittarius. But if astrologers are giving a reading, they likely wouldn't just look at one sun sign. They'd examine the position of all the planets plus the moon. My sun sign, Scorpio, only determines one aspect of my personality. My moon sign dictates another facet, my emotional state. In other words, the moon's position on your birth chart dictates whether you're a bubbly, happy person or if you're short-tempered or easily hurt by careless words and so on. It's all about which constellation the moon is in when you're born. Remember earlier how I said I felt more like a Pisces? I'll give you three guesses as to what my moon sign is. Uh, Pisces? Exactly. As for my other planets, Mercury, which represents communication, was in Sagittarius when I was born. 
Venus, which influences the way I approach personal relationships, was in Libra. And the list goes on and on. So if your sign, aka your sun sign, doesn't feel consistent with your actual personality, it may be because you're not accounting for your moon sign, your Venus sign, your Mars sign, or the others. My sun sign is Sagittarius, but my moon sign is Gemini, and my rising sign, the constellation that was coming over the eastern horizon at my birth, is Aries. So while I'm considered a Sagittarius, I feel things like a Gemini and perceive the world around me like an Aries. Which is all to say, astrology can be a bit more complex than we give it credit for. And that's without considering the fact that horoscopes work very differently on the other side of the world, in East Asia. Coming up, we'll explore what your birth year says about your personality. Now, back to the story. Many East Asian traditions feature a character named the Jade Emperor. He's a powerful figure who rules over the heavens. All the other gods serve him. Some legends claim that one day, the Jade Emperor summoned many animals and encouraged them to race. The order in which they finished would determine where their constellations would be in the sky. As soon as the sprint began, the dragon surged ahead of the others and above them. Since he could fly, he seemed to be the obvious winner. But the dragon was very kind and generous. So when he saw a group of villagers in trouble, he stopped to help them. Later, he spotted the rabbit struggling to cross a river, so he paused again to help them along. The delay cost the dragon, and before long, several racers pulled ahead. At the lead were the cat and the rat. There was just one problem. The cat and the rat hated each other almost as much as they hated water. Before they could reach the finish line, they had to make it past the river, but neither wanted to swim. So instead, they agreed to cooperate. They'd climb on the ox's back and let it carry them across the stream. It sounded like a good plan, but uneasy alliances have a way of falling apart. Halfway across, the rat pushed the cat into the water. While the cat splashed about, the rodent reached the shore and sprinted ahead of the ox, finishing first. Now, the sign of the rat would forever be at the beginning of the zodiac. The ox finished second, and afterward, the tiger. According to some traditions, the drenching wet cat came next. Others say the cat never crossed the line at all and the rabbit came in fourth place. The same rabbit the dragon paused to help. Regardless, the fifth animal to cross the finish line was the much-delayed dragon, finally recovering ground after he'd stopped to assist others. While the competitors questioned the dragon, demanding to know how he could have slowed so much, they heard the sound of galloping hooves. It was the horse running toward the finish line. But just before he could complete the race, something long and dark uncoiled from one of his hooves. It was the snake, who'd sneakily twisted around the horse's leg when the beast wasn't looking. At the unexpected sight of a serpent, the horse reared in fear. This gave the snake enough time to slither ahead and take sixth place, leaving the horse in seventh. 
Up to that point, every competitor had used its skills to finish quickly, and the few stragglers who remained behind only did so because they realized winning wasn't everything. For example, the sheep, monkey, and rooster all knew they'd never make it safely across the river alone, so they cooperated to steer a raft from one bank to another. It took a long, long time, but the three animals finally rode to shore, securing their spots in the Zodiac. After them, the dog came paddling up. Just like with the dragon, many animals were surprised at his poor showing. The canine could run fast, and he was a strong swimmer. He should have completed the race sooner. But the dog confessed he got too distracted splashing in the river. By the time he remembered that he had a race to finish, the best he could do was 11th place. By then, it seemed like there were no more serious competitors. But just as the Jade Emperor was about to end the race, everyone heard a distant squeal. Like the dog, the lazy pig had gotten distracted during his run. In his case, he'd spotted a patch of delectable mushrooms and wild berries and stopped to gorge himself. Afterward, he'd taken a nap to sleep off his feast. Only in the past few minutes had he awoken to complete the run. Clearly, that was a sign that any remaining racers weren't taking the competition seriously. So the Jade Emperor declared the pig the 12th and last finisher. The competition was over and the Zodiac was complete. From that point onward, anyone born under a certain animal's sign would share traits with that creature. For example, people who are born in the year of the rat are thought to be clever but lack courage, just like the rat who realized he could cross the river on the ox's back but betrayed the cat like a coward. Likewise, people born in the year of the pig are perceived as kind and supportive but also lazy and prone to overindulgence. So far, Eastern horoscopes are pretty similar to Western ones. They're determined by when you were born and which constellation dominates the sky at that time. Except, if you've ever eaten at a Chinese restaurant with the East Asian zodiac on the placemat, you probably know signs are determined by the year you were born, not by your birth month. But like in the West, East Asian astrology is also about more than just your main sign. Astrologers in this tradition may incorporate information about the specific day and time you were born, or consider the phase of the moon at the time of your birth. Even hours are ruled by different signs, meaning you may have been born in the year of the tiger, but if you took your first breath at 8 a.m. on May 10th, you might also embody traits of the snake and the dragon. In short, both zodiacs have lots of ruling constellations tied to all sorts of different factors. It's a lot to keep track of, and depending on how you feel about astrology, it might make the system feel less valid. Your sun sign doesn't fit you? Look at your moon sign. Still not right? How about Mercury? If that doesn't work, make sure you're accounting for Eastern and Western interpretations. At some point, you're bound to find at least one celestial body that accurately reflects your personality. But that doesn't mean horoscopes are true, just that it's easy to fudge the details to make them seem more accurate. 
If we want to determine whether the stars really shape our fate, we may find the answers in more accounts of zodiac predictions that came true. In mid-2022, writer Cam Zhang began writing for the fashion and trend-focused website Stylecaster. One of her earliest assignments entailed tracking her Western horoscope for a month and noting any major life developments. She'd then write an article addressing an age-old question, is astrology real? As Cam followed the star's progression, she noted some odd coincidences. On the week of June 3rd, her charts claimed a major career progression was coming. Of course, a career progression was coming. Some of her first articles were due at her new job. The following week, the stars predicted a career breakthrough and a sudden shift in a relationship. Sure enough, that's when Cam's first articles were published. And what was supposed to be a brief visit to a long-distance boyfriend lasted a week longer when she changed her travel plans at the last minute. During a full moon on June 13th and 14th, Cam read she was going to deal with challenges. That weekend, while she was staying with her boyfriend, someone stole his roommate's car and cell phone. Without them, he had no way to get home or call to say he was okay. While that crisis was eventually resolved, Cam and her significant others spent about 24 hours unsure about what had happened to the roommate and worried if he was all right, all while the full moon watched from overhead. The rest of the month brought more fulfilled prophecies. Cam flew back home during a week the stars said would be marked with a transition. When her horoscope said she'd start something new, she got to reunite with her father, who'd been held up overseas for a year thanks to COVID travel restrictions. When she published her article about whether astrology was real, Cam answered the question with confidence. Not only did she think the predictions were accurate, but she was going to keep tracking her star charts in the coming months. Other publications have run their own astrological tests. Take a woman's lifestyle website called Birdie. They hired astrologer Rebecca Gordon to make predictions about an upcoming lunar and solar eclipse for five different women. After the celestial events were over, they interviewed each subject to see if they thought the readings were accurate. Rebecca told one anonymous participant the solar eclipse would bring big changes to her career. Sure enough, the woman got hired for a new job. Another participant learned there'd be a significant shift in her home during the lunar event. At the time, she was in the middle of a move to Brooklyn, and Rebecca told a third woman that she'd have to let go of someone, and it would be painful. It so happened that the woman then had to stop working with a client she'd once felt close to. In other words, many of Rebecca's readings were spot on. You don't have to look far to see evidence of astrology in action. I personally haven't always followed horoscopes, but a few years ago, I had to deal with a few personal and family crises all at the same time. A friend told me to check out the Zodiac, and sure enough, it said an eclipse was supposed to shatter my life. When the horoscope said things should get better, they did, right down to the day. I know what you mean. Sometimes when I'm preparing for a project or a change in my life, I'll have a positive attitude and I'll feel ready. But for whatever reason, nothing goes right. 
Then when I look at my chart, I'll realize I need to take a different approach or just back off until the planets are aligned differently. I've even received unexpected checks in the mail on days when the stars said money was on the way. There's just one problem. None of these anecdotes came from scientifically controlled studies. This means even though there are a lot of compelling stories, we can't empirically prove that astrology really works. At least we can't if the only data is unverified accounts. But around 1948, a researcher designed an actual study into horoscopes. His findings kick-started decades of research on astrology and suggest the stars might have more to say about your fate than you'd think. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode on astrology. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau, our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Angela Jorgensen, edited by Wendelin Sabroso and Alex Garland, fact-checked by Catherine Barner, Researched by Chelsea Wood, recorded by Freddie Rivera, produced by Aaron Larson, and sound designed by Kerry Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Richard Rossner. <laughs>